All right, I want to invite you to take God's Word and turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. We are concluding our focus series today. I want to encourage you to be back next week as we begin a new series, Words in Red. And uh, we're going to look at the seven last sayings of Jesus on the cross that will lead us into Easter. And so that begins next week. Uh, but this week we're concluding our focus series. I hope that you have enjoyed it. I'm very grateful for the positive uh, response as we have attempted uh, to really set the chart and the course for where we are going here in the future. Now, Matthew chapter 16 is one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible. Uh, when our group was in Israel at the beginning of this year, we always take our groups uh, in the Holy Land to uh, this site known as Caesarea Philippi. It's about 25 miles north of the Sea of Galilee in a region known as the Golan Heights. If you've ever been there, it's just beautiful. You'll see some video on the screen that just kind of show you the setting of it. And uh, I'll refer to that little cave that you see there here in just a moment. But uh, just beautiful uh, setting, a, a riverbed right there at the base of this mountain. And uh, our groups always go there. And we have a teaching right here that takes place. Matthew chapter 16 is what we teach uh, from this location. And while it's beautiful today, uh, historically, uh, it was known for not being so beautiful in the sense that this is where in the Old Testament uh, the Canaanites would go and worship and offer their sacrifice as well as the Phoenicians later on. And then uh, before it became Caesarea Philippi, before Herod changed the name, it was known as Panius. And uh, it was uh, named after the god Pan, which uh, I would encourage you, no, I would discourage you, don't Google image the god Pan, all right? It might keep you up at night, a little scary, kind of a goat-looking man figure. And uh, that cave that you saw at the beginning of that video is where they would worship uh, the false god Pan and make sacrifices uh, to him. And it is at this location uh, that Matthew chapter 16, starting in verses 13 uh, through 18, it's at this location that Jesus asked one of the most important, what some consider to be the most important question that he ever asked. Now, Jesus asked a lot of questions in his ministry, uh, nearly 300 questions, over 300 questions Jesus asked. It'd be a good series uh, to do. We would shorten it because it would take the whole year, uh, maybe the top 10. Uh, but this would probably be uh, up there as one of the most important questions Jesus ever asked, starting in verse 13. Uh, Matthew chapter 16, the Bible says this, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? Jesus had a reputation, of course, for being one who taught as one that had authority. Uh, people were familiar with his healing ministry, and so there was a lot of uh, uh, rumors and speculations about who this Jesus character is. And so he asked his disciples at this place where all these false gods are being worshipped, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, and others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, and one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? It's in its emphatic form. It cuts through every, who do you say? It's a question that every single one of us are going to have to answer. Like, who do you say that Jesus is? We have to answer that question. Every one of us, not the person to your right or your left, not what your mom or dad says, your brother or sister, your best friend. Who do you say that Jesus is? And Peter answers him and says, you are the Christ, verse 16, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him and said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock, this confession of faith, this confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the hope of the world, on this confession, I will build my 
church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I'm titling this message today, Strengthening the Church. And as we bring this focus series to a close, uh, what we've been doing the last four weeks is what I call working on the church rather than in the church. We've been working on the ministry rather than in the ministry. Tonight is the Super Bowl, and we've got two quarterbacks from Texas that are going head-to-head. And look, I'm not asking for much. I just want a good game. I just want a good game and the Eagles to lose, all right? I'm not asking for much here. But both teams tonight, both teams will have coaches on the sidelines, and both teams will have coaches in the press box. And why do they put those coaches in the press box? Because the coaches in the press box have a little bit better perspective. They can see a little bit more than the coaches on the sidelines. This series has been our attempt, my attempt, to take us as a church up to the press box and look not just at what we do as a church, but why we do what we do. And what we've said in this focus series is that, listen, we can have a lot of programs and a lot of ministries and a lot of events, and they can be good things, but at the end of the day, if we're not doing what is ultimately important, if we're not doing what is going to outlast us, what really matters, then maybe we need to take a look at some of the ministries and events and programs that we do, what we give our resources to. Maybe we need to take a look at that and say, how can we be most strategic, most intentional about doing the most important thing. And we encapsulated what we believe is most important in a statement. And remember, it has personal and corporate elements to it, but here's the statement. Champion Forest advances the kingdom. And again, we've emphasized this. It's it's the kingdom of God. It's not our kingdom. It's not what we want to do. It's not about what's on our agenda. We want to do exactly what Jesus told us to do. We pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, we want to be about your kingdom. We want to advance your kingdom. And how are we going to do this? We call these focus priorities. We're going to do it by making disciples, loving our community, and strengthening the church. Now, making disciples is the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28, we looked at this a couple of weeks ago. I always like to remind you, if you missed any of these messages, please go online and catch back up. Download our app on your phone. You can listen to it on the way into work or while you're working out, but these messages build on top of one another. In Matthew 28, we're just taking Jesus up on his final mandate before he ascended back into heaven to sit at the right hand of God. He said, you go into the world and make disciples. It was his parting words to those that followed him. Make disciples. And the driving question behind this focus priority was when I stand before the Lord, will I be happy with what I have to present to him? We, we highlighted the fact that when we stand before the Lord, and we're all going to stand before the Lord, we're going to talk a little bit more about that today. What we're going to be most proud of in the good sense of the word, is the people that we've led to Jesus and the people that we have invested in so that they look more like Jesus. At the end of the day, that's what's most important. Are disciples being made? 
Earthly accomplishments, look, they fade away. They don't last. I mean, 98% of the people in this room couldn't tell me right now who won the Super Bowl two years ago. And if you can, who won the MVP? I mean, we forget these things. They don't last. They don't matter. But making disciples, it will. Secondly, we advance the kingdom by loving our community. This is the great commandment. We unpacked last week what it means to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And from that flows this whole idea of loving our neighbor as ourselves. And the driving question behind this focus priority was simply this. If Champion Forest disappeared tomorrow, would anyone in the community know, care, or miss us? We talked about, man, we want to make our presence known in this community for our love. We want, if, if, if Champion Force dropped off the map tomorrow, we want there to be a hole in Northwest Houston because of the, how kind we were and how servant-hearted we were and how we invested in our neighbors and loved our community. We've been doing this as a church, and we just talked about the importance of continuing to do it in the future. And then this third focus priority is what we're covering today. It is strengthening the church. And we're making disciples is the great commission, and loving our community is the great commandment. I'm calling this the great commitment. Because if we're going to live in such a way, personally and corporately, to strengthen the church, it's going to take a strong commitment. I want you to notice the wording. I've chosen it very intentionally. The word strengthen there and see in church is capitalized. When we talk about strengthening the church, we're talking about being committed to the bride of Christ at large. We're talking about the universal church. We love our local church called Champion Forest, but Champion Forest is just a small part of the larger church. And we want to play a part and help strengthening the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to notice I said strengthen. I did not say build. Going back to Matthew chapter 16, this is Jesus' church, and he said, I will build my church. We don't build anything. Jesus takes ownership of his church, and he's going to build it regardless of whether we're in on it or not. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But what we can do as co-laborers with Christ is strengthen the church. And that's what this message is about today. What part do we play, Champion Forest, in seeing the church of Jesus Christ flourish? How can we make sure that we are doing everything in our power to see that the witness of Christ is going forward and that the larger body of Christ is being blessed and built up? I mean, is this even important? Why is it important? Why do we care what Faith Bridge down the road is doing? Why is it important to us what Houston Northwest or the Met or cities, uh, churches in our city like Houston's First or a community of faith? Why is it important what they're doing? Or churches all over the country, all over the world, why does it matter? And what part do we play? Can we help them? If so, how? Now, the driving question behind this focus priority is this. I'll put it on the screen for you. How are we stewarding the gifting, resources, and influence that God has graciously given us? Now, I'm not going to stay here long 
just because of time, but again, all of these focus priorities have a personal element to this, and I want to get very personal with you. You change that we statement right now to I. How am I right now stewarding the gifting, resources, and influence that God has given me? You're in Matthew chapter 16, turn over to Matthew chapter 25. Jesus gives a parable that we know of as the parable of the talents. I would encourage you to read it. We're not going to unpack it all here today, but read it in your time alone with the Lord this week and just uh, sit in its truth and let it soak over your life. Bottom line is Jesus teaches that in life people are given certain talents. Now in the context of this passage, those talents were in monetary value. It it had to do with wealth. They were entrusted with a certain amount of wealth. And uh, we can bridge that uh, interpretation to today. Certainly uh, any wealth that we have is given to us, entrusted to us by God. But in the larger context of the Bible, we can interpret this text in a broader sense. And we know that a talent can mean an ability that God has given us a spiritual gift that he has bestowed on us. We're all given certain talents. In Matthew 25, one person is given five talents, another person is given two talents, and another person is given one talent. In fact, look at verse 14 and 15, Matthew 25. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants, that's a key term, the servants aren't in charge. I've noticed in life, everybody likes to be referred to, Christians in general like to be referred to as servants, we just don't like to be treated like one. This is who we are though. And so in this parable, this man calls his servants, the man's in charge, the servants are not, and he entrusted, that's another key term, he entrusted to them his property. So understand, when we're talking about this parable of talents, We are God's servants, and he gives to us, he entrusts to us certain talents. They are not ours. Our wealth is not ours. God entrusts it to you. Our abilities, our talents, they're not yours. God, by his sovereignty and his grace, entrusted them to you. And each person has a different amount of talents and resources and giftings and influence, and it's up to the master how much he gives. And the scripture says, verse 15, to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his ability, and then the man went away. Now you read the rest of the story in your own time, but what happens is this master comes back, and he wants to see what his servants have done with what he gave them, what he entrusted to him. This parable is all about stewardship. Now a steward can be defined as this. A steward is someone that is entrusted with another's wealth or property and charged with the responsibility of managing it, and this is key, in the owner's best interest. That's what a steward does. He is entrusted with another's wealth or property, think gifting, talents, resources, abilities, and is charged with the responsibility of managing it in the owner's best interest. Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, is stating uh, and basing his uh, apostleship 
how people should view him, and this could be said of any uh, Christian. This is how someone should regard us. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, Paul writes, this is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ. This is who we are. We are servants of Christ, and then he says this, and stewards of the mysteries of God. Now, this mysteries of God here, it, it has to do with the the riches and the truth that's associated with the gospel, but you combine this with what is taught in Matthew chapter 25, what's taught in Luke chapter 19, Luke chapter 12, and other places, it's clear that whatever God gives us is his. And as stewards, how we use what he entrusts to us is extremely important. In fact, Paul closes out verse two, it is required of stewards that they be found what? Trustworthy, faithful. Faithfulness is the end goal for the steward. We must be found trustworthy. You go back to Matthew 25, one person given five talents, another two, another one. The people that wisely stewarded the five talents and the two talents, the manager, the owner comes back, he sees these servants that stewarded their gifts well, and they're celebrated, they're esteemed, they're honored, and they are rewarded. To them, Matthew chapter 25, verse 21, we hear these words, well done, good and faithful servant. Like we talk about that verse all the time at funerals, don't we? We say, this is what we want to be said of us. Well, the context of this passage is it's only said if you manage what God entrusted to you well. Well done, thy good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. But to the one talent person, who didn't do anything with what God entrusted to him, what the master entrusted to him. Not only does he get his talent taken away, but he is severely judged, treated harshly. This is how serious God takes stewardship. Every single one of us are going to one day stand before God and give an account for our life. Now there's a, there's a sacredness in this. There's a seriousness to what I'm speaking about right now. All of us here will stand before God and give an account for our life. And we said what we're going to be most proud of when we stand before God will be the people that we brought to Jesus and made to look more like Jesus because of our relationships and investment in them. But we'll all stand and give an account. And Jesus is going to reveal on that day whether or not we were faithful and trustworthy stewards with the family that he entrusted to you with the intellect that he gave you, with the money that he gave you, your talents, your skills. And the driving question is, how are you, how am I 
stewarding the gifting, resources, and influence that God has so graciously given us. I want to get very personal in this moment. I say this a lot around here, but I I want the Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask you some questions, and I want the Holy Spirit to grade your paper. All right? We've got a group from Washita Baptist University in the church today. Just lift up your hands, Washita, right there, right here, all right here. And uh, we welcome you. you I'm, a, I'm a graduate of the Washita Baptist University, okay? Some refer to it as the Harvard of the South. That's probably where you've heard it. And uh, I see my professor, Dr. J. Scott Duvall here, and uh, he taught me the early epistles of Paul and taught me in some of my New Testament classes, and Dr. Jeremy Greer, who's now uh, over uh, the Christian Studies Department there, great friends. But, uh, you know, when I was in Dr. Duvall's class, if he ever said, grade your own paper, I always made a 10 out of 10, all right? Always. If he had to grade it, not so much. So I want the Holy Spirit to grade your paper as it relates to the stewardship of your life. I'm just going to ask some questions. That business acumen that you have. It was given to you by God. Are you honoring Him with it in your daily business dealings? The decisions you make? That wealth you have. God gave you that wealth. He gave you the people skills that you have, the favor. He gave you that job, that education. The ability to fix that problem, do that, to, to, to have value to, that somebody would pay you that much. God gave you that. Are you investing in the kingdom or building your own kingdom? Those children you have, mom and dad, they're on loan to you from God. And our responsibility is to shape them and mold them. Are you going to be happy when you stand before God? And one of the greatest gifts he entrusted to you Will you be found trustworthy and faithful as it relates to how you treated your spouse and how you raised your children? God, according to Scripture, we'll get into this in just a moment, gives every single person in here, once you trust in Christ and you give Him your life, He gives you a unique, divine, supernatural, spiritual gift that is used for the express purpose of building up, encouraging, edifying the body. Are you using your spiritual gift? You're going to be held accountable for it. To whom much is given, much is required. That's what Luke chapter 12, verse 48, the second part says. As stewards, what we do with God, what God has entrusted to us, it matters. And in Luke chapter 12, Jesus gives another parable about stewardship. And the master tells these servants to do something, and he leaves, and he's coming back, just like Matthew 25. He says, I better find you doing what I asked you to do. And listen to verse 48, the second part of Luke chapter 12. Everyone to whom much was given of him, much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. Every person in this room and watching online has been entrusted with much. Regardless of your lot in life, you're in the room, watch, you have been entrusted with much. And the Bible says much will be required of you. To whom much was entrusted, much more will be demanded. 
Now, from a corporate standpoint, Champion Forest is a five-talent church. There is no doubt about it. God and His grace and His divine decision has bestowed on Champion Forest a tremendous amount of gifting and resources and influence. A lot of resources, financially and people resources. Just look around. He's blessed us. A lot of churches around the country look to how we do ministry and what we do in our ministries. And just as individuals who have been entrusted with much, much more is required, so too is it for the church. And we have to make sure as a church that we are using the gifting and the resources and the influence that God has given us, not to just strengthen us as a local body, but there is an issue of stewardship here with the larger church as well. Yeah, and that's what this focus priority is about, strengthening the church, the big C. If we want to be found faithful and trustworthy, we must make sure that we're leveraging everything that God has entrusted to us, our giftings, our resources, our influence in a way that is pleasing to Him. In a five-talent church, if we are to be found faithful and trustworthy, doesn't just invest in ourselves. We don't just, as we've said in this series, grow our kingdom. No, we're committed to advancing the kingdom. And we'll do that by using the gifts, the resources, and the influence God has given us. Now, how, how, what does this mean? How do we strengthen the church. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Number one, we strengthen the church by our giving. The church of Jesus Christ is strengthened when we give. Plain and simple, when we give, needs are met here in our community and around the world. When we give, God is honored, plain and simple. When we give, uh, the, 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 the back of greed is broken in our own life. When we give, it demonstrates trust because, God, I'm giving to you as an act of worship and obedience, and I'm trusting that you're going to make my needs, you're going to meet my needs in every way. So it demonstrates trust. A lot of reasons we should be in the giving game. And I'm never going to back away from asking you to give to the kingdom of God, to the church of Jesus Christ. Because I'm not asking for me. I know what giving does when we give with an open hand and a generous heart. I know how God pours out his blessing. And it may not be materially, but I'm talking about his presence in our life. I'm talking about his favor in our life. I know what happens when we give because the Bible says where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And when we give, I want your heart in the kingdom, in the church. And so when you give, that's where your heart's going to be. So never going to back away from asking you to invest in the kingdom because you're investing in what is eternal. And I want to give you just three ways, Champion Force, to show you how you are investing in the church at large. Number one is through our CF Connect. This is our pastor encouragement and church resourcing arm of our church. We created it two years ago. Because coming out of COVID, we noticed that there were a lot of pastors that were discouraged. You know, we, we, we have a large staff here, so if I ever get bored, I can walk down the hall 
And I can say, hey, do you want to go to lunch? And they kind of have to because I'm the pastor, all right, whether they want to or not. But there are many pastors out there who are running the show by themselves in the sense that they're showing up every day at the office. They can't just go down the hall and say, do you want to go to lunch? And they're lonely and they're coming out of COVID. And we just said, you know what? We want to be a place where if there is a pastor that needs to be uh, refreshed and encouraged in his walk, we're going to pay for them to come to Houston. We'll put them up for three days, seven days, 10 days, whatever it takes. We'll give them access to the Lanier Library, which are incredible partners right here in our own backyard. And they can just study for their next series. They can just be refreshed. They can meet with our staff. They can be a part of our staff meetings, and, and, and we just want to pour into them and invest in them. And we painted this picture of what would it be like to be a church that blesses pastors and churches all over North America. And you embraced that vision, and you gave to that vision. Do you know in the last two years, because of your generosity, because of your giving, talking about strengthening the church, we have invested in nearly 300 pastors from over 35 states. Let me show you a picture right here. This is a picture. This is the first group that we brought in. These pastors are from all over, man. I'm sitting here looking. Here's one from Canada right there. There's Miami right there. There's Detroit right there. There's New Orleans right there. I mean, all over Houston. There's North Carolina right there. All over the place. They come in for two and a half days, and uh, we, we, we bring in speakers to talk to them about how to preach a sermon, We talk how to run a staff, uh, leadership development, and we always spend a, a half a day at the Lanier Library where we worship in the chapel together, and they get exposed to this because we say, hey, you can have access to this whenever you want it. We, we want it here for you. This is a second group that we we brought in, uh, again, 35 uh, uh, different states represented in those two uh, pictures. Just this uh, past uh, two weeks ago, we brought in uh, pastors and their wives and, uh, for, for CF Connect. I'll come to this picture in just a minute. We brought in uh, pastors and their wives. And, uh, you know, usually we bring in all these pastors and their wives are at home taking care of the children. And uh, the pastors come back all fired up because they're here and they're breathing in the faith of this place and what God is doing. And they get encouraged in their calling and they go back and their wife's been at home. And, and, and so uh, we decided, you know what, we need to bring the wives in. Actually, Debbie decided to bring the wives in. She, y'all need to bring the wives in. So we brought in uh, uh, the 35 pastors and their wives and we just invested in them and we loved them. We had prayer time together and worship time together. And uh, man, they went so fired up, them and their wives. Uh, this right here, this picture you see of this map right here, uh, do you know that through your giving, through your giving, we are supporting, you see all those dots on the map? Those are church plants that we support with our finances or trips. Uh, of some kind that we are investing in all over uh, North America in hard to reach places that have low evangelical birth rate but high population. I'm talking about New York and Boston and Denver and San Francisco and San Jose and Las Vegas and Phoenix. I'm telling you, you are making a difference in the lives of pastors. Now here's what we didn't know was gonna happen. God has blessed us with our Spanish ministry here under the leadership of Pastor Ramon Medina, all right? Now in, 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 in our in our church world, Ramon Medina is the man, all right? I mean, he gets after it, and everybody knows him. In fact, the North American Mission Board, our executive pastor, Jeff Young, is on the board of the North American Mission Board, which is how we plant churches. Uh, uh, we partner with them. Uh, they came to us, and they said, look, what y'all are doing at Champion Forest, and they knew the leadership of Ramon. They had a ton of Spanish pastors coming to them, wanting to be trained to plant churches. And the North American Mission Board said, man, I'll tell you what we need to do. We need to send them to Houston to get trained by Ramon Medina. So the North American Mission Board, we have like 14 Spanish pastors in training right now uh, through our CF Connect, and we did not know this was going to happen. When we brought, listen to this, we didn't know this was going to happen. 
We started our CF Connect bringing in, uh, you know, pastors that were leading English-speaking churches. And Pastor Ramon came to us and we said, we've got all these pastors that want to plant. And we started this like marriage made in heaven that we didn't even know was going to happen. This picture right here, this is from the marriage conference a couple weeks ago. This guy on the left is named Travis Whitaker. He planted a church in Detroit called Mile City Church. You know what happened? Uh, we had a Spanish pastor in training. Pastor Ramon hooked him up. And now our Spanish pastor is there locked arms with Travis in Detroit. Next to him is Chris Cuba over at United City Church in Humble. We sent one of our uh, Spanish pastors to partner uh, with Chris Cuba. And now he lives in humble and started a Spanish work and is going gangbusters over there. That's me in the middle. All right, right there is Aaron, uh, uh, Aaron Sanders. He's at Coastal Community Church in Galveston, an incredible partner doing a great work in Galveston. They just built a new building. It's a beautiful facility. And uh, we've got a Spanish pastor that we just placed with him that's uh, reaching uh, Galveston. Next to him is Matt Kendrick in uh, Fort Worth. Uh, Fort Worth needs a church plan, all right? And so uh, we sent a Spanish pastor uh, right up there with Matt Kendrick in Fort Worth. And we've got him ready to go. Like we're working right now on Jackson, Mississippi. We're working in San Francisco, California. They're going all over the country. And you are making this happen through your generosity and your giving. You are strengthening the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. You're doing it. And so we just got to keep doing it. We got to keep doing it because I'm telling you, it brings glory to God. Secondly, not only are we going to do it by our giving, but we're going to do it by, and by the way, that forward campaign, that forward campaign that many of you have given to so that we could do some um, just renovations to our facility that desperately needed it. We made a commitment that when you gave to that forward campaign, that 10% would go out the door to CF Connect churches and pastors all over North America because we refuse to keep it all to ourselves. It's a principle that we're going to live by. We're going to give and give and give and give. And so I'm telling you, you are making a difference and you're strengthening the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. So that's, that's how we strengthen the church by our giving. We also strengthen it by our serving. I'm not going to stay here very long, but we talked about that use of the spiritual gift in our life. Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. We strengthen the body when we use our spiritual gift to serve the body. Another sermon for another day, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 25, we're, we're a part of the body, just as you members are part of the local church body, and the hand can't say I don't need the foot, and the foot can't say I don't need the hand, and the ear can't say I don't need the mouth, I, so we are as a local church, a part of the bigger church, and we need one another, and we're better together, and so we serve, and just how this relates to our, uh, comes together, and our serving, and our giving, um, uh, uh, our international mission board, Talk about our giving. Talk about our serving. When you give, we don't, just, we don't just take care of what's under the roof. Again, there's a commitment that it goes out. And a few months ago, Paul Chitwood, the president of the International Mission Board, was here. We gave him a check for $250,000 that was just out of our world missions offering. That's not our budget of giving. And you want to know what that did? That went to 3,500 missionaries that are serving all over the world. And listen to this. This is the latest numbers that we have on this. 22,744 new churches were started all over the world in 2021, and 107,701 people were baptized. You didn't, hey, we didn't see any of that. But we gave to it, and this is what happened. And when we serve, and what I'm about to talk to you about is we, we strengthen the church by going on mission trips, by going 
What happens is when we go on these mission trips, we partner. We partner with churches, nationally and internationally, and we help strengthen them. And there's a reciprocal effect to this. And this is why I want to, here's the application on, on this as it relates to going. I want you to pray about going on a mission trip this year. Just going. And it doesn't have to be with our church. If you want to know more about it, you can just text mission trips to 77069, and you can learn more about where we're going. But there's a reciprocal effect to this, because when we go, we partner with a church and a pastor, and it strengthens the church. Strengthens strengthens the church. And what happens is when we come back home, we're more passionate about our local church because we've seen what God is doing in the big church. And it strengthens the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going on mission to places like Nepal, Amazon, Kenya, New Orleans, Galveston, Miami, Honduras, Germany, Mozambique, Austin. Austin needs a mission trip, all right? El Salvador, Indonesia, Colombia, all price points. Your entire family can go on some of these. We'll work with you. And again, it doesn't have to be a mission trip with us. It can be with anybody. And what happens when we go? We strengthen the church with our giving and our serving and our going. I'll close with one final way that all these three tie together. You see this picture of our residency program. Um, Two years ago, we decided to name the residency program in honor of the pastor that served here for 28 years, Damon Shook, wanted to train up. The vision, the goal was to train up young pastors in training uh, that we could either raise up in our organization, our church, to serve at our various campuses, or we could send them out to gospel-centered, Jesus-preaching, Bible-believing churches all over North America. And God was gracious to us. Right now, we have 22 residents on our staff. They're in seminary full-time. They're working on their seminary degree. They're within 10 years of their high school education. And so you Washita students, if you're interested in this residency program, you just come see us after the service. We will sign you up, all right? And uh, our goal, our goal, uh, all of these residency students, they serve under an individual pastor, in their area of influence, children's ministry, student ministry, missions ministry, worship ministry, whatever they're passionate about. And for a year, we commit to invest in them. And uh, again, your giving allows us to, to do this. And I just want you to think about this. Um, if we train up 20 residents a year for the next 25 years, And they, at a minimum, touch 2,000 people. That's not hard because they don't just, they're a student pastor. They're not only dealing with that student, they're dealing with that student's families and that student's friends. 2,000 people in their entire ministry. If we train up 20 residents a year for 25 years, the end of that 25 years, they touch a minimum of 2,000 people. That is 1 million people impacted by a residency program that starts right here because of your giving. They're serving. You're serving with them. Ultimately, they are going. And what is happening, Champion Force? We are advancing the kingdom. We are advancing the kingdom by making disciples, loving our community, and strengthening the church. And if we will stay focused on this, then maybe, just maybe, one day we'll stand before God And we're here as individuals and as a church. Well done, thy good and faithful.
servant. Amen? Amen. Thank you for joining us online. We hope today's experience encouraged and challenged you. At Champion Forest, we are passionate about all kinds of people coming to know God, to grow in their relationship with Him and others, and then to go out and make a difference in the world. We would love the opportunity to talk and pray with you. To connect with us, just go to championforest.org connect. And hey, of course, we can't wait to welcome you on campus, in person, on one of our locations. We'll see you soon.